Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The thing is, you have to know what you're, what you're trying to create. You know, like, what is your desired outcome? What, why are you telling this story? Who is your audience? What are you trying to, to get across through your camera lens? Um, the other thing is, I really, I think it's helpful when a host also understands production. Um, we can, you know, I can always tell when the person on camera understands how the story is being told behind the scenes, um, instead of just showing up and micing up and then, you know, assuming that you can really make the audience feel at home through the camera if you're not really aware of, you know, everything else that's going on. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. Born with nature, and if you're a believer, born with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Follow Obsession Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. I'm Sam Thrash, your podcast host for this week's episode. Our podcast is driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and I will talk more about them at the conclusion of our episode here. Joining me today is uh, Miss Julie McQueen from Carbon TV. Welcome to the podcast, Julie. Well, thanks for having me on. What a, what a, a pleasure to be on with you guys. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Well, we uh, we are definitely enjoying Carbon TV and uh, really grateful to be plugged into to y'all's network with you guys and uh, having our podcast and a couple of our shows streaming on your platform. So really good thing you guys got going on. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that today. So appreciate yeah, uh, appreciate you having Fall Obsession. Yeah, we're excited to have you guys on. Yeah. So yeah. you are the president of Carbon TV how did this start? How did, how did this whole idea of Carbon TV begin? Well, I wish I could say that it was my idea originally, but it wasn't. So 
I, uh, so Carbon TV as a company, we're about 10 years old, which is very old in the digital distribution space in the outdoors. We were the very first. Um, back then, we were part of another kind of a larger media conglomerate. A lot of people have heard of, you know, Outdoor Hub, Carbon Media. So we were all a part of the same company. And then Carbon TV became a standalone OTT network back in 2017. And that's when I came into the company um, officially as uh, I think I, I started here as a consultant and then I worked my way up to um, overseeing operations and took over the presidency not long after that. And um, so, yeah, Carbon, I didn't I didn't start the business, but I run it. <laughs> awesome. Well, you're doing a good job for sure. Thank you. Uh, um, so what what makes it what makes it special because you yourself said that you know for a for a, a the media outlet that it is it's 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 old in this industry mm-hmm. what what makes carbon tv so special because there's there's plenty of other you know apps or streaming services mm-hmm. now um that that all sorts of stuff is on and, and and i know we ourselves are on several of them but what uh oh. what is unique about carbon well, not only are we the, the first ones, we're the oldest, we're also the biggest. Um, I believe we have the largest content library that exists for the outdoor space, which I'm really proud of. And we've diversified that library. So my background is in production and, you know, 20 years now in this industry, I've been working in TV production. And so hunting fishing is kind of the thing that we always, you know, move back towards. But by diversifying that library and including more things like survival, aviation, um, overland, um, you know, a lot of other outdoor activities and bringing those communities in. It's been really good for um, everything at Carbon. It just brings a new audience. It keeps people coming back to see more and it fulfills that need for other types of content. Um, The other thing that makes us really special is our team. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm sure you've worked, you know, with, with a lot of the people here. Autumn, who's our director of operations, is special. She's just the most passionate person about what she gets to do here at Carbon, and the whole team is that way. So I'm surrounded by really smart, amazing people, and we have, I think, 250-something shows on the network right now, and we have to make all of them feel loved and accepted, and we have to keep this going in a positive way. So I think that really does set us apart. You know, we're all very passionate about what we get to do. Um, So not only our size, you know, our credibility in the industry, but kind of that forward vision you know what are we creating here and how can we just keep becoming better yeah no the the team definitely that that plays a huge part in in not just the finished product that an organization or a company is trying to produce but also just in in your general workforce and and uh experience as you know a a business and everything because we we definitely have that on our end of things as well obviously a a a much smaller company than y'all but at the same time the we we have a very family oriented uh feel to our staff and our uh the way that we do business and stuff on our end so i can definitely relate to that that's that's awesome to hear yeah yeah it's all who we surround ourselves with absolutely so what can what can a viewer or a user of the Carbon TV platform, what can they expect with that experience? Or, or are there different kind of different kind of levels or stages that, uh, that the consumer can go through to get more out of Carbon TV? Or what's that all look like from their standpoint? Yeah, we're really proud of our user experience. And we're constantly working to improve that. Um, taking you know, feedback from the viewers, really listening to things that they're looking for, what they're saying. 
Um, so anybody who wants to watch Carbon TV, we're really proud that it's free. And it's on so many endpoints. So pretty much anyone who has a connected device or a TV or anything that, uh, that can stream, we are there. So on our OTT side, which is AVOD, Video On Demand, you know, we're on all of the major endpoints, Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Samsung, LG. So anybody who has anything can watch Carbon TV and it's all right there. Um, we also distribute through global fast channels. So we have um, network partnerships where we are streaming um, our programming schedule, our fast channel uh, globally, which is really great because now people all over the world can watch this for free also. And we're really proud of that. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I know not to not to sound cheap or anything, but, you know, I'm sure you know how hunters are. Everybody's more more reluctant to to pay for something. And the fact that y'all have just simply built a platform that is accessible to anybody out there, no matter their situation, is pretty awesome. So, yeah, and also something a little bit for everyone. Right. So, you know, we even have very specific playlists for kids, right? Because we are very supportive of getting young people involved in the outdoors. So we have live cameras where they can watch, you know, wildlife 24 seven. Um, we have our, our most popular one is the crush cam on Lee and Tiffany's place in Iowa. So they can watch these big deer come into the feeders and eat and there's no hunting around it. So it's very family friendly for those people who don't want to see that. And then, you know, all different types of content streaming and, you know, producers who are really putting a lot of work into creating beautiful video content. So, yeah, I'm really proud of that. I think that um, no matter who it is watching the network, they can always find something that will resonate with them. Yeah, that's awesome. I have a question on the on the live cam just that popped into my head. How how does that work? How do y'all how do y'all get that? I'm sure (laughs) there's probably some people who are wondering the same thing. Yeah, so we have a system in place where we have these kind of high-tech cameras that we place in different areas. So that's one example, you know, the one on Lee and Tiffany's place. But we have, you know, one in an eagle sanctuary. We we did have an underwater camera, so people could watch the fish, uh, barn owls. We have one in the San Francisco Bay, you know, watching all the ships come in. And really what we do is we, we have a, a partner that we work with um, for the bandwidth and the streaming side. We set up the cameras, there's power and internet all attached to it, and then we monitor that. So we actually go through and watch to see all the cool stuff that happens on them, make it down into little clips, and then push those out so people become more aware of kind of what's happening on those cameras. Gotcha. Um, but it's a it's a cool system. Yeah, it's 24-7. You know, it, a lot of people put them up, like they'll stream it to their TV in their house or in their lodge <laughs> and just have nature on there all the time. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I, I yeah. never, I, I saw it on, on y'all's platform when we got plugged in and everything. And I just, I, I don't know, I'd never put much thought behind it. So that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. So I want to, I want to dive into, to you a little bit more specifically and some of the stuff that, that you have done over the years and your background and, and that kind of thing. So h- how did you initially get into hunting yourself? So I'm not from a hunting family. Um, I'm from a small town in Oklahoma, uh, but my family didn't hunt. My parents were not hunters. They were in the army together. So I knew about firearms, but that was it. And um, when I was in my late teens, I don't know if it was if I saw a photo or if somebody was talking about it, but something piqued interest in, you know, what is this? What is hunting? And um, at that time, I had moved from Oklahoma to Missouri, to Springfield. 
And I would go to the local Barnes and Noble bookstore. And instead of buying the magazines, I'd just sit there and read them to save money, you know. And I was researching hunting and thinking, oh, this seems like something I would really enjoy. I love being outside, but I've never witnessed it happening before. So I went to my hunter safety course. And when I got finished with that, I borrowed a rifle and got permission on a local property. And the property owner said, you know, you can you know, shoot whatever deer walks by. Just, you know, of course they thought I knew what I was doing and I didn't because I mean, how much can you really learn from just reading magazines? And we didn't have access to what we have now, right? Social media, YouTube and all the videos. Um, so I shot my first deer by myself. Um, but then that's kind of where my career began in the outdoor industry. I did, I had to learn from trial and error because this world didn't exist. Right. And I made a lot of mistakes. Um, Nobody ever showed me how, like, what, what do you do after you shoot the deer? Um, so I learned a lot in those first few years. And then I realized this is something I could make a career out of. Um, this is going 20 years ago. So, you know, this is way back before the industry is what we know now. Right. And I started working for different companies. I would show up at store openings. They would hire me to go learn about the products, help people understand you know, what type of rod head to use or what the different camouflage pattern patterns were. Um, so I really worked my way in that way. And then I started as a camera person after that. So, so that, that was your, that was your push and your adjustment, if you will, into, into kind of the, the career aspect of everything, uh, you know, mm -hmm. as far as filming. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I decided I would start volunteering my time as a cameraman on hunts and I learned the equipment and I would just go and film and try to document as much as I could. And, um, really just, you know, from grassroots, I just worked my way up that way and ended up owning a nice, you know, very big production company in the industry after that for quite a few years and multiple shows on the networks. Just, I, I got into this industry at the best time, you know, it was just a really good time to break into it as a female. Cause it really, nobody else is really doing it very much back then. Right. Yeah. And that's something that that's very, very interesting. I know we've had a lot of content that we've covered kind of just specific to women in the outdoors. Um, because, because it, I just don't think a lot of people are conscious of it, but it, but it is almost a, a different and more challenging path in, in some aspects, not to, not to sound sexist or anything like that, but it just, it, it it's, it's different you know, and it's very, right. very interesting to hear how, how different ladies have gotten, began their journey in, into hunting in the outdoors. And, and then you, such as yourself, you know, being very successful in that journey as well. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of girlfriends in this industry and we've been here for, you know, 10, 15 years together, growing up together through this. And, you know, my experience has been nothing but positive. I've, I've never had, you know, any bad experiences. Of course, you have to prove yourself. You know, I mean, you have to really work hard. And, and I, I always say that credibility leads to longevity, right? So you'll see a flash in the pan sometimes, and those people may be in it for the wrong reasons. And that's okay. You know, that's all right. But then the ones who really have a strong foundation, and we know what our goals are and why we want to be here legitimately, you know, here we are 15, 20 years in and making great careers of it and doing what we get to, you know, what we love to do. Um, but a lot of the girls I know, a lot of the females who are my friends who have been very successful, we have a genuine love of the outdoors. You know, we love this, the outdoor community and the industry and, and love being a part of it. Yeah. Very cool. 
So, so who were, I know you said you, you gathered info from, you know, going places, meeting people, asking questions and that kind of stuff. What, what were some other influences that you had back then, um, as you began your journey into hunting? Um, so one of the things was, you know, as I moved from being a camera person to a show host, right. So I would do the you know, producer, host, you know, kind of juggle both of those things at, at one time. And it really taught me how to network, work with companies, solidify those relationships. And a lot of those relationships I formed back then, I'm still working with those companies today in different ways. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, that was a really important lesson for me was, you know, kind of doing what you say you're going to do and being professional and good communication and building things together. Um, early on, you know, you, you don't know if this is a career that's going to last your whole life or if you're going to go do something else. Um, but back then transitioning into show hosts, you know, I was selling sponsorships and commercial space and all of those things that, that the producers I work with now on our network, they're doing those things. And it's given me some really great insight into how to, be helpful for them because I did live that life too. So I've been in those shoes and I, and I understand how that goes. And I think it kind of comes with that many years of, of being here and really appreciating the work that goes in. Yeah. Appreciating the work that goes in. And also just you're, you are witnessing a, a very fluid and, and ever changing industry at the same time, you know, and, and being able to being able to, kind of help steer the ship and adjust as as the industry adjusts and stuff like that it, it is really cool that's one thing we've learned is that even in a few short years things can change very very quickly Everything in, in the hunting world yeah it does and you have to learn to pivot with it right and yeah. think ahead and think okay as things are evolving and changing what decisions can i be making to help me go with that and stay ahead um but yeah i've, I've been very blessed to be able to see things change in this industry and and, you know, trends come in and then things change again and everything, you know, goes back a different way. And, and it's been really fun. I think if you're paying attention to the right things, it can be, it can be really cool to see an industry grow and change in those ways. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So you, at, at what point with, when you came to Carbon and everything, was it just blatantly obvious from the very beginning that this is where I'm going to move on up and move on through and, and help this thing grow? So um, I actually was airing my content with Carbon as a producer before okay. I ever worked here. And um, so that gave me some really good insight as I moved into the into this company. Um, but I, so I had a very well-established show on one of the networks and it was doing really well. Everything was great. Um, but then I was at a dinner you know, or somewhere and people were talking about this whole digital revolution. And this is back in 2013 or something way back. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I have this really successful show and got tons of sponsors, everything's going great, but what's this whole digital thing people are talking about. And so I actually jumped ship from the network, came to carbon TV with my content, um, just to kind of prove a point. And I don't think any other people were jumping in that way, coming over and just saying, okay, I'm going all in on this. Um, I wanted to prove a point that the data that comes with airing digitally can be really beneficial for your sponsors. Yes. And then it became scientific and it was analytics and it was real viewership. And, you know, this is exactly how many people are watching my content, not just kind of guessing about it. And um, so we actually kept all of our sponsors in place. The business did better than ever. And I aired my show 
with Carbon. Um, I did some original content for them, you know, just as, um, you know, as on camera. And then um, they also approached me to do a screen test to do a show called Outdoor Weekly. So I screen tested. I that was Outdoor Weekly is not my idea. I did not come up with this show, um, but I actually auditioned for it okay. and I got the job. Um, and that was before I ever worked here. And awesome. I still host that show years later because it's really fun and I love doing it and I get yeah. to be a goofball. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I started. I was actually creating content for Carbon, and then when Carbon became a standalone, became an OTT, I have um, a good knowledge of you know business in this industry, and I've run a lot of companies. So I came in just to consult, just to kind of work with them, kind of take a good look at what was going on. And I ended up falling in love with this company in a, in a very big way and then started running it. Yeah. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah. It's, it, there is a huge, huge push to the online stuff. And I know we, we were offered several years back. Um, we had a, an opportunity to, to put a show on, you know, one of the actual television networks and the, the money and all that stuff that was involved at the time was just, it was like, no, there's, there's no way we're doing this. We're going to continue going down this online road. Cause that, that's the direction that, that our company needs to go and where we saw potential. And then fast forward, especially since joining y'all's platform and carbon TV and everything, it's, uh, I can definitely attest to that. The, the, the data is there to show that the, the online world is, is where, where you're going to find the most consumers. So. Right. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is really smart for people to look at is, you know, even if you, let's say you go digital and you're putting your content out there and maybe it's not doing as well as what you think, the way that, that you can track that data digitally, you can make improvements and you can pivot and you can say, okay, well, people are loving this, but they're not loving that. So let's work on finding, you know, what is, what is that little happy space where we're, we're actually forward progress, right? Um, but if you're not able to track data, you can't make those little adjustments and you can't really get that feedback from your viewership. So, you know, one of the things that I really put a lot of my thought into here is, you know, how do we provide a service where our producer partners can have that information and can make those adjustments and changes to make their businesses even better. Right. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, definitely huge right there. I know our, our, uh, marketing director, Drew, um, who's also, he's one of our other podcast hosts, actually. He's, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's several times a week. I'm getting messages from him. It's like, Hey, we need to, we need to focus more on this or back off on this. Or what do you think about this? And it, yeah, it's, it's ever evolving. It's, it, it's exhausting sometimes, but it's awesome at the same time. So it is. Yeah. It's fun. If you really look at it the right way. Right. Exactly. So what uh what kind of unique th throughout this journey you know getting to where you are now what kind of unique hunting opportunities have come your way that have really just kind of I, I don't know blown your mind or something like that for lack of a better term yeah i mean gosh i've been so blessed you know that's the one thing about working in this business for this long, you know, over the years, I've been so lucky, you know, to, to be invited to some really cool places. I've hunted all over the world, um, you know, and a lot of that was documented for most of my career. So I, I didn't really ever do anything that wasn't on camera. Yeah. And um, so some of them, you know, some things stand out more than others. And ironically, 
one of them that that always comes to mind when this topic comes up is um, actually I don't think you can see it on screen but back behind me here in my office I'm at the carbon headquarters um, I I killed my first year off camera a few years ago <laughs> and it was amazing I was just like oh my gosh there's no cameraman I don't have to have anybody with me and I was by myself and had my shoes off you know and <laughs> killed it with my bow in Utah it's my first um, velvet muley oh, wow. and it was just this magical moment of like okay, even though I really miss, you know, I can't go back and relive that, which is why I loved everything being on camera. You can go relive those memories. But there is also something really nice about the solitude and being so present in that moment after over a decade of never having that, never having the privacy with the animal. Um, so yeah, just, you know, moments like that where I can be a little more reflective now that I'm getting older and, and I really... Um, I appreciate those times in the field now more than more than what I used to. But I mean, I, over the years, I've had some amazing opportunities. I've hunted with some of the best outfitters, done a lot of DIY, been very unsuccessful a lot of seasons, which is fine too, uh, because it just you know it kind of builds that resilience and reminds us of why we're even doing what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I completely agree. I think that. Because uh, because we're in the same boat, you know. I, I'm down here in Texas, and and every time that I go hunting, I am filming for a show that we have on Carbon TV, actually called Texas Dirt. And mm -hmm. I I wish th there's plenty of times throughout the season. I'm sure I'm going to have some here coming up in the next few weeks, where it's like, man, I really wish I didn't have to worry about a camera. I really wish I didn't have to worry about about filming. And I think back to you know, growing up, and then you know, in, into my adult life when I wouldn't film anything you know and you know it, it yeah you kind of want to go back to that sometimes at, at the end of the day you know that the, this is where i'm at and i i have a job to do on the on the film side of everything too but i definitely right. have an appreciation for those stories yeah. i hear where somebody did not have a yeah. camera with them it's awesome well it, it's also true though if you don't have your camera something amazing is going to happen every time you yeah. know i mean that's kind of that's the rule so you know over my years and years of of producing and being on camera I just it was like okay if we leave the cameras at home something awesome is going to happen we just can't we can't risk that um but yeah it's there's there's been a lot of a lot of very good uh, hunting memories over the years a lot of the shows that I hosted you know the people that I was able to to hunt with you know and really create those memories and you know just yeah it's it's been really really wonderful that's awesome very cool so so what is your favorite hunting memory and tell us a little bit about it my favorite hunting memory so i will say i so i've only hunted with my dad once and i was in my early 20s i wasn't even in the industry yet really i mean i don't think i was and um he came to visit me and i had you know a piece of property and and i remember sitting in a, like a double ladder stand with him and um and he shot a doe and this sounds like a very anticlimactic story right it was kind of like okay that's not that exciting all the things you've ever done in your life but it's the only time i ever hunted with him yeah. one time in my whole life and and he's still alive i mean he's still you know he he kind of picked up hunting and goes a little bit on his own but even now you know we just we don't really we don't go together it's not something we've ever done except that one time and so when I hear people talk about, you know, hunting with their dad or taking their kids hunting, 
um, that resonates with me. And it always comes up as like kind of the first thing in my mind when somebody says, what's your favorite hunting memory? Because it's so unique in my story. You know, I just something rare that I, I never got to relive again. Um, so, you know, that would be one, even though it wouldn't be the, I could say, um, you know, the giant mule deer that I, I have it tattooed on my arm. You know, my first archery mule deer was definitely way up there is one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, like that one, that one was really cool. Um, there's been just so many over the years that have been really great. Yeah. It, we, we asked that question to a lot of folks, um, especially, you know, first time guests that we have on our, on our podcast. And I would say that nine times out of 10, the answer, it, it's not a, it's not a trophy animal or a crazy experience. It, it's always an experience revolving around who you're with and kind of the, the significance of the moment. And, and, Absolutely. and for, for, for me as well too, I, I, I think when they asked me that question, there was, there was a top two and one of them was a, a once in a lifetime experience, but the other one was just a, a hunting with my dad experience the same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's not about antlers. It's not about score. It's not about going to crazy places and hunting crazy things. It's, it's simply about, um, being outdoors and the people you spend it with. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if we would just ask ourselves questions like that a little more often, it would remind us of why we're doing this. Yes. I completely agree. So all these experiences and everything that you, that you have been able to do, what is something that is still on the bucket list that you haven't gotten to do yet that you really want to? Um, let's see my bucket list. Um, so, you know, I really, I, I really want to hunt Spain for Ibex and I, I, it's a very specific, I mean, you know, it just, I don't know why I think the, the country there is so beautiful. And I mean, the animal, you know, I've always been kind of intrigued by, by the Ibex, but, um, now when I start thinking of kind of what those bucket lists look like, it's so that I can plan an extra week and stay there and go tour around <laughs> see the world a little bit. So instead of the old days of like, Oh, I just, all I want to do is fill this tag. Now it's like, I just want to see the world. And I just want to go and explore and, you know, uh, kind of immerse myself in some other places. Yeah. And that to me is, is a little more important than, than filling the tag. So places like that spain's very high up there on my list um uh yeah I, i'd say that's, that's i mean i've done africa and i've i've been to a lot of you know a lot of kind of the standard you know places we usually go but that one's probably pretty hard pretty high up there yeah that that's that sounds like an incredible experience i definitely have never had anybody on the podcast before where that's that's been uh been listed so very very awesome yeah. very unique so yeah so on that on that same topic and and again this is one that just kind of popped into my head but because you have hunted so many places and had so many experiences what's one that has just been not necessarily in a bad way but just extremely challenging for you yeah and so the first and i'm I'm just going with whatever comes into my head first when you ask it's like it's like a um rapid fire right yeah so so the most challenging for me, we were filming an episode in Iowa on a pheasant hunt. It was like December or January. And I don't know if you've ever gone through like one of those really cold 
hunts where you, like nothing works. Yeah, nothing works. Life. Yeah. <laughs> nothing works. Your body equipment, everything just shuts down. And it was the coldest I've ever been in my life ever to this day. I've never felt like that before. And, but we really had to get this episode and we were taping those hot hands to the battery packs of our cameras, trying to keep everything alive. Uh, we ended up filming most of it on iPhones until they died. Um, and it got to the point where my fingers were so cold. I was just pretending to shoot. I wasn't even pulling the trigger anymore. And I was just like, what are we even doing? This is insane. Can we just go in and like, you know, have a whiskey or something? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, the wire with the, all the, their tails are frozen to the ground, you know, it was just, but I'll never forget it either. You know, it was just so miserable, cold. Um, and I know some people are so hardcore that like they love that and they really get into it. They're like, yeah, let's do that again. And I'm like, eh, I don't think I ever want to be that cold again in my life. Yeah. It, was, it was really rough. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. I'd like to say I know the feeling. I, I felt extreme cold down in Texas without the proper gear, I should say. I don't know. I might not have ever been that cold, but not that yeah, I want to be. <laughs> not worth it. Not to me. I, I don't think I would ever, I, I don't think I would do that one again. You know, and if so, I would let them go do it and I would just be in the lodge. You know, yeah. I'll just wait inside. You guys go have fun. Yeah, go At ahead. this point in my life, I'm like, I just, I'm going to make the best decision for myself right now. I'm just, I'm going to be inside. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I have questions, you know, kind of popped in my head as we, as we yeah. go through our conversation, everything here. Um, and one of them that I thought of was, because uh, on our podcast here recently, we've had a lot of content around um, filming, equipment, editing, and, and that kind of stuff, trying to, trying to share some of our own knowledge and experience and input with, with our listeners. But um, you, have, you have background kind of on, on both ends of, ends of that as far as, you know, previous experience behind the camera and now uh probably in front of a camera quite a bit what and and this is this is pretty vague and pretty broad i i feel like but what what makes a good show what what brings the best content to to a screen what can people who are both filming and both in front of the camera what can they do to make their production take it to that next level if you will Mm -hmm. so we entered a stage in the outdoor video world quite a few years ago where everybody wanted to have a show. Right. And the beautiful thing was everybody was able to, right? So we, you know, the cameras got smaller, not like when I first started and they were like huge, big cameras, you know, you had to lug around. So it really opened that up for creative people to create amazing content. Um, the thing that I would say stands out to me that consistently yields the best results is authenticity. Instead of trying to be like somebody else, instead of emulating something that you're seeing and trying saying like, oh yeah, I could do that too. Um, I think the people who do a deep dive and allow themselves to be vulnerable and really show that authenticity, like what, what is your story? I've already seen these other guys. Tell me about you. Um, even if people are going to think it's weird or if you are uncomfortable for a minute, those are the ones that find the best success, right? They, we've already seen all the other stuff. Um, so that to me is consistent in, um, in success and, and it's difficult to do because sometimes we aspire to be like people we've seen on TV. You know, people, people even pick up the same accents when they're on camera, you hit the record button and they talk different, their speech patterns change. Um, which is okay, and I'm not not judging, you know, those people at all. But, um, you know, 
the thing is you have to know what you're what you're trying to create you know like what is your desired outcome what why are you telling this story who is your audience what are you trying to to get across through your camera lens um, the other thing is i really i think it's helpful when a host also understands production um, we can you know, i can always tell when the person on camera understands how the story is being told behind the scenes um, instead of just showing up and micing up and then, you know, assuming that you can really make the audience feel at home through the camera if you're not really aware of, you know, everything else that's going on. Um, it helped me a lot to be both behind the camera and in front of it on a lot of the the episodes. You know, I was I was capturing B-roll and I was helping to tell the story. And then as the host, I could really get that across and the words that I was choosing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So being fully immersed in the, in the storytelling experience, I think is really helpful. Um, and then being authentic, um, you know, some of the best on camera people I know, they're just, they're not pretending to be excited. They're genuinely excited and they're genuinely happy to be standing there sharing their words with their viewers. Um, the ones who, you know, force it a little bit or trying to pretend to be something, I think it kind of comes through sometimes. It's yeah. just not as authentic. Yeah, no, that spot on with, with everything that, that certainly we've been saying in the past few episodes and stuff, because it's just, I, I don't know, you, you, I think you hit on the head with telling a story, because I know we, we've talked about that as well. And, and when you look at it from that way, whether you're behind the camera in front or both, um, everything just comes together with with that on authenticity. There we go. Get the words out right. You know, it, it, it all comes together um, in that extent, and you're better able to to share that experience with, with the consumer for sure. So uh, very, yeah. very accurate description for sure. Absolutely. And I can throw myself under the bus on this one. I use a teleprompter on my show, so it's easy for me to talk, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I can just, I can sit here and say it's easy all day long, but I mean, it's true. You know, I, as a person who sees a lot of content come through and I'm still very much a part of the content acquisition piece of the company. Um, I enjoy seeing, you know, the shows that people are coming up with and being a part of that process. Um, yeah, you can always just kind of tell the ones who like are really like in it for the, you know, they're really wanting to tell the story and they're just, you know, it's the authenticity is really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So at, at this point in the year, we are, we're late September, early October here. Um, what, what's going on at Carbon TV? What are you guys gearing up for? Or are y'all about to be running on short staff because folks are getting out in the woods. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, yeah, some, some of the people will be out in the woods. It is, you know, we're, our headquarters is in Michigan. And so opener is coming up pretty soon. So we'll lose a few people for a little while, which is fine. Um, we, you know, we just finished up the carbon awards, which is always a, a wonderful event here. I think this is our third year doing it. And it's just a way to celebrate a lot of our producers who put a lot of work in. Yeah. Um, you know, we, this is the time of year where a lot of our producers are in the field. So we, um, we try to keep in touch with them as much as possible. If, if our, you know, if our people are having success, we try to celebrate that with them in real time. Um, we just get really excited about this time of year where, you know, this is when everyone's creating that content, telling their stories, and, and they need our support. Yeah. Uh, we also try 
be a little more understanding if we don't hear back from people for a couple of weeks, you know, like sometimes I just don't answer my emails this time of year because I'm in the field. So, you know, and, and that's the cool thing about this industry. No one gets mad. It's September. If I don't get back to people, it's like, okay, well, it's September. So, you know, um, yeah, but there's always something cool going on at Carbon. You know, our, our team tries to, you know, really think of cool ways to, to keep things, um, interesting and exciting and um to celebrate you know and not not even just the the hunting side of it i mean just all of it um you know we we moved into the aviation space recently which i mean i've been a licensed pilot for 20 years huge fan of aviation and um so we started live broadcasting air shows which is awesome wow um so yeah so we've been working on that pretty hard we're doing um doing a lot of live broadcast stuff just kind of keeping it different and interesting and um, finding ways to kind of make sure our audience is not, you know, getting, you know, like, oh gosh, what, if I don't want to watch a hunting show today, what do I watch? Or somebody who comes here to watch aviation and they're like, I've always wanted to go fly fishing on that river, you know, and it's just kind of this keeping it interesting, always something new around the corner. Very cool. That's awesome. Okay. So, so many questions now because you just said that you've been a licensed pilot for a very long time. What, where did, where did that come from? What, what made you want to do that? It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like, it was like a different lifetime. It was in my early twenties and, um, uh, I was just, you know, a lot of my friends had planes and they were flying and, and I thought I was just going to go take like one lesson just like teach me how to land the thing, you know, cause I don't want to die. Um, but then I fell in love with it. I, I actually moved to Long Beach and took an accelerated program, um, became licensed. And then I started studying aerobatics, started flying experimental aircraft. So like some of the old warplanes, um, and just really got into that for a while. And I don't, I don't really do that anymore, but I still have a massive appreciation for it. And the aviation community has a, a really cool crossover with the outdoor community. A lot of our, you know, people who have outdoor shows, they're licensed pilots and they'll fly themselves to these amazing locations and, you know, just land out in the middle of nowhere. And that's how they get to their destination, which is fascinating. Very cool. Do you still yeah. fly a lot? No, no, mm-hmm. no. Um, I, I don't much anymore. No, I kind of wish I did though. I yeah. miss it a little. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Did not know that. That's a fun little nugget to know right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I love aviation. Very cool. So um, an- another question I had, because um, you mentioned the 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 velvet buck that you killed was with a bow, correct? Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, archery setup do you run? So I have um, a Matthews. I've been shooting Matthews for years and years. Um, I actually have a hand-me-down bow from my best friend, Jana, right now, which is kind of cute because we have the same draw length, which if you're going to pick a best friend, choose someone with the same draw length. That's good, <laughs> good life advice, advice. Good advice. That's a, that's a free little piece of advice for you. Um, yeah. So, you know, I did, I did maybe one archery hunt last year. Um, I've got one coming up this year, so I don't do as much as I used to. Um, but yeah, I just, I've been shooting Matthews for years and I usually usually you know get a new one every few years i'm not one of those like have to have the latest and greatest you know of anything anymore yeah so when you when you started hunting i'm assuming you it was not bow hunting 
Um, I started, yeah, um, archery hunting pretty soon after, probably okay. the second year I moved to archery. Yeah. And I still rifle hunt too. I'm not one of those, you know, I'm, I don't discriminate. Um, I have a, a, another deer hanging on the wall right next to that velvet one I shot in Mexico a few years ago with a rifle and just as fun. I mean, just amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still, I like to archery hunt. Mule deer, I archery hunt. That's awesome. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. I'm a huge, like, archery mule deer is the, that's one of my, my favorite things. Very cool. So, so what is on as far as your personal hunting itinerary for this upcoming season? What do you have on the docket? So I go along with some other people on their hunts and I document that for them. I still, I still volunteer as a camera person just for fun. Uh, It's one of my hobbies. Uh, So I'll show up on some different hunts and film for people and never, I don't, I don't publicize that. I don't ever really post it or anything. Um, and then me personally, um, I am supposed to do a elk hunt in Colorado, um, which I do every year. And then I'll do a late season Arizona archery mule deer hunt, um, which I've been I've been going there for ten years. So I'm kind of a creature of habit. I go back to the same places year every year. Um, and then I'll try to mix it in and, you know, I'll probably do a hunt here in Michigan, you know, for white tails with some of the people here at the company. Um, that's it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty low key season for me. Nothing wrong with that for sure. I I, I love it when, when people share that they, you know, despite the path that they've taken or, you know, you yourself as a show host, whatever the experience of the individual might be, how, they still go back to their roots and they still film. And, and I know mm-hmm. there's, there's several other, other larger names in the industry that, that do that same thing that started off filming and, and growing in that experience. And to this day, they still, like you said, it's not really publicized and they're, they're cool with that, but they just, they still like to jump behind a camera and, and, Absolutely. and, and I love that. Not that I, I certainly am far from, from anybody, but I honestly think granted if I'm in front of a camera, I'm getting to hunt. So I, I definitely enjoy being, being the one hunting, but, um, I, I have, I think an equal passion for if, if I can take a step back and exclusively focus on documenting. I know I got yeah. to do that experience really exclusively for the first time. Uh, it was three or four years ago now where it was, Hey, you're going on this hunt just as a cameraman. And I was like, awesome. I was like, I don't have to worry about being a hunter or, you know, halfway through switching roles or whatever, however we work our system. I was like, I can just do the one thing and that's my one job. It, it was pretty fun. Yeah. So it is fun. It's, it's good to go back to our roots sometimes. Yeah. And, and the reason I don't publicize it, the reason I don't talk about it or boast about it is, you know, that's kind of like my, it's my hobby. It's mm-hmm. what I love to do. It's, it's where I got my start, you know, running camera and charging batteries, cleaning lenses, <laughs> dumping footage, you know, like all the things that back then I was like, Oh my gosh, I just, I don't, you know, it would be exhausting. And now it's like, oh, I can't wait to have, you know, all of those responsibilities again. So yeah, if, like if some of my friends are going on a hunt, they have an awesome tag. I will volunteer to go be a cameraman. Like, absolutely. And just, you know, go kind of remember why I started doing this in the first place. Yeah. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, before, before we kind of, I know we're getting close to our time, but I, you probably get this question a lot. And I know I've asked it before to, um, other, 
other ladies that have joined us on on our podcast and everything. Um, but we ourselves get asked this question a lot, and I know I know of some some young ladies that I know in particular that would probably be curious to hear your response to um, a, as a woman coming up in this hunting industry um, or or somebody who's trying to start their own brand. Um, start their own show, whatever it might be, what is the biggest piece of advice you can give to young ladies out there trying to do the same thing? Um, it's all about who you surround yourself with, honestly. You know, um, I, I was very fortunate to have some people around me who were really good, solid humans who wanted the best for me. And I'm still really close friends with them all these years later. Um, I see, um, I see some young ladies coming in who, um, you know, they, they choose a different path, but I'm not here to judge them either. You know I mean? If that's, if my, the way I feel about this and, and I'll bring social media into the conversation because that is a part of it oh, yeah. that has changed over the years. If I see, you know, a, a girl or a young lady on social media and she's, you know, posting a certain way or presenting herself in a certain way. The way I look at that is if she's um, encouraging anybody to get a fishing license, enjoy the outdoors, if she's, you know, inspiring other young girls to spend some time outside, then good for her. I mean, we all have a different way of putting our messaging out there. Um, We all have different desired outcomes. We all have different paths in life. Um, But my advice would be um, surround yourself with people who really want to see you succeed in the best ways. Um, because it does make a big difference. And um, with the way things are today, they can reach out. So back when I got started, it would have been really nice for me to have the option to DM somebody who'd been there before, right? right. And say like, oh my gosh, what do I do in this situation? Or do you know somebody? How can I network? Um, all of those young women, they should be DMing me. They should you know, reach out to Jana or Titus or Bachman, like anybody who's been there, done that. We know what we're doing. We've kind of seen it all and we have good connections. And um, there are countless times over the years where I have one-on-one, get on the phone with the girl, consult with her, figure out what she's trying to do, connect the dots for her a little bit, because I mean, I kind of know everybody. And if I see some value in that and I think, okay, she's really you know, she's working her butt off and she's like got good intentions and she really should have some form of connection here. I'm not the only female in the industry who's willing to help out. There's a lot of us who are like, yeah, girl, like call me. I'll lead you down the right direction because the truth is someday those young girls are going to take my job. They're going to take all of our jobs. And I want the right ones in position to do that. Right. I want the good good intentions, smart girls who like really love the outdoors and are doing it for all the right reasons. So I would encourage them to reach out to people like me. Like I answer all of my, all of the messages from young women who are like sincerely trying. And, um, you know, that's, we've over the years created a really nice community in that way. Um, again, not something we publicize. We don't really talk about it, but we, us older women <laughs> in this industry are here to help, you know, if it's the right, if it's the right fit. No, I, that's, that's awesome. I, y- y'all kind of came up together at a similar time, uh, again, from, from my perspective. And, and it's awesome to know, um, that, that, that network, that support is, is there 
at that level because to, to some just outside looking in, not knowing anything about it, you know, as you said, social media can, can show one thing, but knowing that mm-hmm. there, there's a whole nother, a whole nother support system behind that, a whole nother level of yeah. advice that that's very encouraging. So awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one thing I'm really proud of, you know, I've tried to be very supportive of women in the outdoors. Um, one of the things I'm proud of is at Carbon, we have one of the largest collections of female-driven outdoor content, and I support that. I I will go above and beyond to make sure these women have a voice, you know, and, and all of them that work with us are legit, you know, yeah. like they're amazing women. And, um, you know, we work with a lot of programs who, you know, they mentor, you know, young people or young women who are trying to get into the industry. We help place them with different companies that are looking for, you know, internships or social media management, whatever that is. Um, so yeah, my advice would be, you know, surround yourself with really good people, work hard and, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people who've been there before. Yeah. Very good. Thank you very much. Well, Julie, um, I know we're kind of getting to the end of our time here, but I really appreciate your time today uh, and coming on Fall Obsession podcast with us. And and like I mentioned earlier, it's awesome to to be a part of the Carbon TV family and to be uh, to working alongside y'all. I've, I've I've had a very very awesome experience working with y'all so far. So um, looking yeah. forward to the future and 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 seeing not just where uh, where Fall Obsession goes, but where Carbon TV goes also. So. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, and thanks for being a part of our family. We love having you guys over here, and thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Real quick, um, before we hang up, I know it's probably probably not too hard to find, but um, just for our listeners, tell them how they can find you or get to Carbon TV. Yeah, so Carbon TV, um, obviously you can find it everywhere. Yeah. It's um, car- it's on every endpoint if you want to watch it. If you have an iPhone, Android, just go in the App Store, and it's always free. We don't charge anything. Um, and Carbon TV, social media is amazing. Um, I think our Instagram's Carbon TV Media, Facebook, Carbon TV. Um, I'm Jules McLean everywhere, so, um, you know, I'm not on Instagram as much as I should be anymore, but... I do check in there. So if anyone, you know, needs anything, if anyone wants to submit content to Carbon, just reach out through the Carbon website. Um, I see everything that comes in. So if you guys, if anyone is interested in working with us, uh, my team makes sure that everything comes over my desk at some point. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, you know, love to kind of put that out there. I think that's really important to know. We're always looking to work with more people. Um, but, yeah, easy to find. Jules McQueen, Carbon TV, um, pretty easy to find us. Perfect. Awesome. Well, for our listeners, real quick as we conclude, thank you all for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. If you guys haven't already, hit that follow and or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. We're on all major podcast platforms. We are on Carbon TV um, along with uh, YouTube and some other streaming services. So be sure that you guys uh, go follow Fall Obsession podcast. The podcast videos are on our YouTube channel. Make sure you give it a watch if uh, you like the whole podcast video dynamic. FallObsession.com is our website. It's where you guys can go to find all of our hunting and outdoor media. We have multiple different types of online video series. Our podcast is on there. We do gear reviews, wild game recipes, other educational videos and articles. So be sure you head on over there and uh, check out Fall Obsession. We also uh, sell our own brand of apparel. So if you're looking for some new uh, new hunting swag to wear into the woods this fall, uh, head on over to FallObsession.com, pick some up. 
Um, Ridge Rock Hunt Company is the podcast partner. Derek and Lacey over there in Mississippi, they book hunts, and uh, we really enjoyed uh, working with them. One of those relationships in the outdoor industry that just keeps on getting better. So if you're looking for uh, a hunting experience with a vetted outfitter somewhere in North America, give Derek a call, and he will work with you to find something that, uh, that you're looking for. So, Julie, thank you again. I really enjoyed it. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. You bet. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Next week might be me, might be Drew. You'll have to wait and see, but we'll be back either way for another Fall Obsession podcast. We'll catch you then.